Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on Monday, June 27th, 2022. Today's show of Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. On today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils, my name is JJ Jackson, and I'm very excited to be joined by Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast to recap the 2022 NBA draft. If you haven't done so already, please follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Make sure you follow and subscribe this podcast for free on whatever podcast platform you choose to listen to. If you're watching the show daily on YouTube, we greatly appreciate you doing that. Continue to like and subscribe and share the video with your friends. As we continue to move forward here in today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils, let's bring in my good buddy, Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast as we sit here and we recap the NBA draft. A lot of talk going into the event, Josh. Trevor Keels, is he going to stay or go? Are all five guys going to be first-round draft picks? Now we don't have to talk anymore. The speculation is over. The draft has come and gone. Uh, Glad we're able to recap it all today on the podcast. Hope you've been well, Josh. Yeah, done great. Looking forward to this. And, man, I enjoy the NBA draft. And I'm trying to figure out if I enjoy the actual draft night better or if I enjoy the rumors and everything leading up uh, to draft night. It's kind of like free agency, right? It's like. Is it really about the free agent signing or is it about all the speculation, you know, heading into it? And so, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. What a great night for Duke, um, getting five guys uh, drafted. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Paulo getting that number one overall pick. Just incredible. Looking forward to talking to you about it uh, today. We know all the results that now that the draft has come and gone. We know where guys are going, and so let's get into that right now. And we start at the top. Paulo Banquero is such a, a, a polarizing prospect, it appears, in a lot of ways. When you look at where he could have gone, we saw on Wednesday night, all of a sudden, the day before the draft, Paulo starts to become the favorite to go number one in Las Vegas Wednesday morning, or Thursday morning, excuse me. Adrian Wojnarowski, the top NBA reporter for ESPN, says nothing has changed. And then right before the draft starts, okay, maybe Paulo's going to go number one. And ultimately, he did go number one. Craziness. Yeah, it was wild. And, I mean, shout out to Woj. Between him and Shams, or Shams, however you say his name, um, they uh, those guys are, like, always fighting to see who can break yeah. news first, you know. And, uh, and I will say this, Vegas typically does not lie. And so I was seeing the same things you were seeing on Wednesday night. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I woke up Thursday morning and I told a buddy of mine, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Paulo tonight. And he immediately sends me <clears throat> the Woj tweet. And he's like, not so fast. You know, and I'm like, well, no, we'll see. And um, I will say this, man, number one, incredible for Paulo. Well-deserved. The guy came in with all the pressure in the world on his shoulders at Duke. Coach K's final season, he really performed well and really lived up to the hype. And so – I couldn't be happier for a kid than I am for Paulo. Um, and then secondly, I just kind of miss the good old days where like I watched TV 
I watched the draft on TV and I was shocked at what just at what was just said by David Stern, you know, right. back in the day. Um, and I did my best to like mute. I was going to mute, you know, Woj and Shams. And I just couldn't get myself to do it, man. Like I, there's just something about it. I get on Twitter and I'm like, all right, who, who's coming next, you know? And, uh, and so I think next year that's going to be my goal is I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going on Twitter, like starting five minutes before the draft or however long I'm not going on Twitter and I'm just going to let it happen in real time. I, I fortunately decided to do the latter there. I did kind of just throw the phone away and, and not really worry about what was taking place. So the draft wouldn't be kind of ruined, so to speak, and it would be more enjoyable from the viewing experience. Ultimately, when Paulo was, his name was called, there was this level of just pure shock for me because, yes, we saw the money start to kind of change hands on Wednesday night in Las Vegas. Never really feels to be wrong, but still, we had seven or eight weeks. I mean, this was a long time running where it truly felt like Jabari Smith from Auburn was going to be the number one overall pick. Auburn has never had a number one pick in their school's history. I'm an alum of the university. I see a lot of the Auburn news out there that's taking place. And so then you see Jabari fall to number three, still the highest draft pick that Auburn has ever had in school history. But ultimately, when Paulo goes number one, I think the biggest reason for that shock was just because it was such a long draft process, assuming that Jabari would be the number one pick. And then on top of all of this, Josh, Paulo never went to work out with the Magic. Yeah, they said that he had a brief interview with them at the Combine, I believe is what I heard. And he never worked out for them. He never went down to Orlando. There was never any and, and man, I, I, I don't know. Maybe there was a red flag that popped up with, with Jabari, uh, you know, these last couple of days. I don't know what it was. But I will say this. If you watch the Duke-Gonzaga game from early in the season, um, and, and then you, and you take into consideration though, that Paulo manhandled Chet, manhandled him. And then you realize that Paulo came in, you know, possibly the number one, at least top three recruit in the, in the country. And he lived up to it like he did from the time he stepped on campus until the time that we lost that final game in the Final Four. Um, Paulo was on, man. He he was on. And there's something to be said about that. When they say NBA ready um, and they use and they talk about Paulo, I think at the end of the day, if you're the Orlando Magic and you think, man, this guy is like a little bit bigger version of like a Cade Cunningham almost. Uh, he can really pass the ball. He can he can pull up on the break and shoot the three. But then he also can take you down and punish you with that spin move down low. I mean, I get it. He's the probably he's not the most athletic guy in the world. But man, he is going to be a 20 point a game guy in the NBA. There is no doubt in my mind. And so I think when you look at all those things, um, it really starts to make sense. Uh, I'm selfishly as a Duke fan, I'm kind of intrigued by the Wendell Carter Jr. Paulo Bancaro combination. Uh, and cause Wendell Carter really came on uh, towards the end of the season for Orlando, <clears throat> looking at Orlando's roster. I mean, it's like a fun little roster, man. And yeah. like, uh, you know, who knows what could happen there. Maybe Paulo is exactly what that franchise needed. Yeah. Cole Anthony, the former North Carolina Tar Heel point guard there on the roster with Jalen Suggs, who was from Gonzaga. Yep. 
they're exciting to watch. Franz Wagner from Michigan really came on and likely going to be Markel starter. Fultz. Markel Fultz is in the mix yep. there with the Orlando Magic, too. And uh, I start thinking for Paulo specifically, and ultimately, yes, talent-wise, I think this guy is the most NBA-ready, 100% of justifying the selection for him to go first overall. And super excited for what his NBA future looks like. You look at Paulo, though, all the way from Seattle, Washington, to Orlando. Outside of the Miami Heat, he is about as far away from home. He is as far away from home in the NBA as possible. I wanted to do the research, and Paulo is now 3,070 miles away from his hometown. So he is a world's away from where he grew up, but he's going to get to walk in and play right away and team up with another former Dukey and Wendell Carter Jr. I love the fit for Paulo, and I think it's going to be awesome to see. Let's talk about the other draft selections for Duke here in just a moment on Locked On Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. As we welcome you back in here to Lockdown Blue Devils today, J.J. Jackson alongside Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast. And Josh, we talk about the draft now. Paulo goes number one. Who's next? Is it A.J. Griffin? Is it Mark Williams? Are they lottery selections? Late in the draft process, it felt like both of those guys would be lottery picks. I personally did a lot of appearances on the likes of Locked on Knicks and Pelicans and some of those teams, Nick, in the lottery area that possibly wanted to draft a guy like A.J. Griffin. Ultimately, uh, Mark Williams goes 15 to the Hornets, and it's A.J. Griffin going 16 to the Atlanta Hawks. The first two picks post-lottery are Duke guys going back-to-back. Talk to me about Mark and A.J. Let's do Mark first. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think there were a lot of local Duke fans here in the state of North Carolina that were really hoping once A.J. kind of dropped that there was going to be a 13, 15, you know, A.J. Griffin and Mark Williams. But uh, That's what I with, wanted more than anything. I would yeah. just – that would have been incredible for them both to go to Charlotte. Yeah. Well, there's no way Michael Jordan's doing that. <laughs> yeah. There's no way in the world. I mean, he would, like, lose his, his, his Carolina – I don't That's know. Right. But, uh, but, but that, you know, honestly, I, I would actually stand on that, that I think that would actually have been a really good, <laughs> a good decision for yeah. them. Uh, but for Mark Williams, um, number one, man, talk about a guy who did it right. He came to Duke. I feel like that Mark, you know, number one, if, if we rewind two years to when Mark is coming in, I mean, I heard things like he's going to be a project. I heard things like, you know, Casey Sanders. I heard things like don't expect too much. Those, you know, those types of things. And to see a kid uh, come in in that freshman year, if you remember, you know, not a ton uh, of product productivity at the beginning of that uh, of that season for him. But then to come on strong at the end of his freshman year and then have people at the end of the freshman year going, man, you ought to go pro now, you know. And then seeing him come back and seeing him want to play in front of the fans. 
he obviously he values the Duke experience because of his sister Elizabeth and and her success at Duke. Um, and so I really I really appreciated that about him. I feel like he did it the right way. And, and then to see him get rewarded and to go to a, a franchise uh, with with a guy like Lamelo Ball, um, who if you want to pick and roll, lob it up, rim runner, you got it in Mark Williams. If you want that guy, that's like he's like Mason Plumley, but more athletic, because uh, you know Mason's on this squad uh, there in Charlotte, another Duke guy uh, reunited. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, most squads in the NBA now have, have Duke guys, so you're going to be reunited with the brotherhood <laughs> somewhere. Uh, but he's going to be that rim runner, and his his length is incredible. His defense is is top notch, um, and then I believe he's got a he. I believe he has a more pronounced offensive game than what was really shown at Duke. There were a couple of times you would see him take that 18 foot jumper and hit it, and but you knew it wasn't you knew it wasn't really what Duke wanted him to do. But I believe he actually has more of a polished offensive game than what he was really able to show. And so I believe I love the draft pick by the Hornets. I think finally uh Hornets fans agree they they finally maybe got something right. You know, Miles Bridges, yeah, who knows? Uh him, Miles Bridges, Lonzo Ball looking to the future. Obviously Gordon Hayward there is the most expensive player on the roster. I'm not sure productivity yeah. wise if that makes sense. But you know, Terry Rogier, all those types of guys, man, I really, I really like that team and, and we'll see what happens. But Mark's in a good good spot, I believe. I'm fired up for him. I'm excited for him to get this opportunity with Buzz City. As you mentioned, Mason Plumley does have one more season left on his contract with the Charlotte Hornets going into his age 32-33 season. So uh, Mason Plumley's a great guy for Mark Williams to kind of learn from, take him under his wing a little bit, and then just the pure athlete, the talent. In a lot of ways, Mark Williams is a little bit ahead of, of where Mason Plumley was coming out of school. Of course, Plumley had those four seasons of college hoops compared to just two for Mark Williams and what he was able to accomplish. All right, so the very next pick, we didn't have to wait long at all. The Atlanta Hawks, once again, they make a Duke draft selection. They traded away Cam Reddish this past year to the New York Knicks for him to be reunited with R.J. Barrett there. Uh, Drafted Jalen Johnson a season ago, but A.J. Griffin is going to start his NBA career there in the ATL. Yeah, he is, and and I I was a little I'll be honest with you I didn't expect to see uh, AJ's name come across with Atlanta, on Atlanta's picks. I feel like Atlanta has a lot uh, of like they've got odd, a lot of the same type player and a lot a lot of yeah, guys and yeah they do and that's actually the reason why I felt like they got rid of Cam Reddish in the first place is because you know he was easily replaceable and there were there were plenty of guys on that roster. But I will say this: there is a spot for anybody in this league that can shoot 46% from the three-point line. No kidding. And and so, you know, I, I do also think when you see the videos from the combine and from different workouts that AJ had, I believe that Duke purposefully this year, like, told him to make sure he took it easy, to make sure he, that he was fully healthy for the draft, fully healthy for the NBA. Um, I, I believe there's, there's definitely a next level of athleticism and quickness that AJ possesses that he did not show off at Duke. And so I believe if we can see that, because the knock on him is his his lateral movement on the defensive end, uh, that he was not a good defender or great defender, and that he struggled keeping guys uh, out of the lane. Well, if that's a result of the knee injury and and recovering from that, and he is now 100%, and he can correct that, there's no reason why he's not on the floor consistently, um, you know, for the Hawks. And and you know you got you obviously have Trey who's going to be the dominant. Uh, guy there 
And if AJ can just spot up and get his get to his open spots there in Atlanta, I don't see any reason why he can't be uh, very productive there. And then who knows? Atlanta can use him as trade bait in the future. Like I said, like you said, their roster has a lot of wings. And so we'll see what happens there. But I believe the fit could work for him once again. If he's shooting 45, 46% from three and his lateral quickness improves, it's going to be hard to keep him off the court. And we'll see what year two looks like for Jalen Johnson playing there for the Hawks because it was a, a lot of ways excitement a season ago seeing what he could look like with that roster. But again, just to kind of refresh people on what Atlanta's looking like. Trey Young gets all the headlines, and rightfully so. He is an elite basketball player and does a lot at the NBA with tons of success already. But you've got somebody like Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich and DeAndre Hunter now in the mix. What does Jalen Johnson's second year look like going into it? you would imagine that a first-round selection in Johnson is going to be ahead of A.J. Griffin. They're this year's first-round selection just off experience alone. So uh, it's going to be competitive right away from A.J. Griffin, but I do think he's got the opportunity to compete for playing time early. Yeah, there's a lot of things involved there. I mean, you got some vets that you just mentioned um, now, and, and, and those guys have earned you know their keep. And so it will be interesting to see. And who knows where it lands, but we all know this. I mean, this is professional sports. I mean, you're you're one you're one injury away from from a starting role. You know, you're one injury away, you're one, you know, blow up in the locker room away from a guy, you know, requesting a trade. You know what I'm saying? Like all those types of things. And so I think once again, AG's gonna get a spot, his his shot. And I believe if he like I said, if he can improve his defensive, the lateral quickness on defense. And then his athleticism comes back. Um, like this guy, I don't care if it's in Atlanta or wherever it happens to maybe be, he's going to be on the NBA court. He's going to get NBA playing time because he is an NBA player, period. Let's uh, continue with our draft discussion. Two more picks to go for the Duke Blue Devils, and we'll do those in just a moment right here on Locked On Blue Devils. Your second listen today, it's got to be this. You're on the Locked On Podcast Network. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen of the day. Here on Locked On Blue Devils, we would love for you to take an opportunity to support us by giving us a five-star rating and written review on the Apple Podcast platform, type out a written review. It really helps the algorithms there. If you could throw in nice words about the show, again, search Locked On Blue Devils wherever you get your podcast. And on that Apple Podcast platform, if you can leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean a whole lot. Also, be sure to watch the show daily on YouTube, like the video on YouTube, and share it with your friends as well. Final segment here today of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. And Josh, as we continue to move forward, two picks left to go. And we saw in the first round, Wendell Moore Jr., the 26th overall selection by the Memphis Grizzlies. He's on his way to Minnesota. It's such a weird draft thing that we can never get used to every season when a lot of these guys are introduced wearing the hat of a team that they're not even going to play for, and then they're introduced at the other team. Wendell Moore was not in the green room. He was with his family and friends, and some former Duke players were back with him, hanging out, watching the draft go by. Chris Carwell, Nolan Smith were with Wendell Moore Jr., uh, watching the event unfold. But a first-round pick 
and he's going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Man, I don't know that I was I was probably the happiest. Oh yeah. That I've been. And I, and I got to be full disclosure here. It was getting late kind of for me. I'm an old man, you know. It's getting <laughs> a little bit late and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to stay up and watch the rest of this first round because I don't think the, the either one of these two guys are going to go first round. And man, I was literally about to get up and I see it hit and I'm like, oh man, like I am so glad, <laughs> so glad that I stayed up for it. And can I just say this? You and I spoke, and I know you spoke to other uh, other media members as well about like we're Duke fans, and we will be on the court. We were trying to figure out how Trevor Kills was ever slated to go before Wendell Moore was kind of blowing our minds. Like right. Wendell seemed to check all the boxes, uh, and some boxes that Trevor didn't check. And man, I feel like. From top to bottom, if you look at this draft as a Duke fan, I think they got it right. I, I believe, like, Paulo, man, obviously he's number one Duke player and number one overall player. I think Duke fans would agree with that. I think you have Mark and AJ that are neck and neck. But if I had to put money on who's going to be productive NBA player, I'm putting my money on Mark there. Yeah. Just, just barely, but I'm going to put it on Mark. And then you have AJ. That's obvious. Those three guys. And then it's like – we we all felt it was Wendell and then Trevor. And so I feel like if you look at this draft from a Duke perspective, I think the NBA and the GMs and the front offices in the NBA kind of got it right. But for Wendell, he heads to Minnesota. And you talk about a fun team. I mean, that's a fun team. And uh, that's a team that Wendell can grow with. Uh, it's a team that doesn't necessarily need him to come in this first year. And I mean, they're, they're pretty deep, uh, you know, with D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards and Akogi and, uh, and Pat Bev, Malik Beasley. I mean, they've got, they've got some wings. Yeah. Um, but those are guys he can learn from. Um, and once again, who knows, we've yet to really hit this off season uh, with the NBA that could all look different. Um, but I love Wendell Moore jr. He's going to be a guy that I feel like the coaching staff in Minnesota can trust. Um, if they if he comes in in difficult situations, he can handle the ball. He can do every. He's a jack of all trades. He can defend. He's more athletic than what people think he is. He can shoot the ball, and so I couldn't be happier, man, for for Wendell like to come to Duke and to play those the roles he played his first two seasons, and then to explode his junior season. Man, kudos to him, and we're we're so excited for him. Pretty epic for Wendell to end up where he yeah. was, and, and now he gets to start his NBA career with the Timberwolves. Pretty outstanding. All right, and then the last guy, 16 picks after that, the 42nd pick of the NBA draft here in 2022. Again, only 58 picks this year instead of 60 because a couple of teams had to forfeit their draft selections. But Trevor Keels ultimately off the board. We talk about it feels like you can go to pretty much any team in the NBA and be reunited with somebody from within the brotherhood. That's exactly what happened. We've got R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish currently on the New York Knicks. R.J. Barrett was very excited for Trevor Keels to be selected by New York, and that's where he's going to start his NBA career with the Knicks. Keels goes 42nd in the second round to the New York Knicks. He does, and um... – I think all of us, when 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 Trevor kept his name in the draft, I think there were a lot of people that felt like he did that because he got some sort of first round guarantee, right? Um, you know that that a team had told him, "If you're there, we're going to take you." And so, um, you know, 
him dropping to the second round is one of those things. And we've spoken about it. This is nothing new to you and to you and me. Uh, but he is rolling this dice. He's rolling the dice of am I going to be Gary Trent Jr. or am I going to be Trevon Duvall? Right. Uh, at the end of the day, he's rolling that dice. Uh, he's rolling the dice of am I going to be playing for the New York Knicks or am I going to be playing for the Westchester Knicks in the G League? Um, and so my my personal opinion is he's going to spend some time in the G League, um, and and we'll see what happens. Uh, is he going to be DJ Stewart and never get a call up and stay in the G League, or is he going to be that guy that goes to the G League for a, for a bit and a Quinn Cook, who then catches on and becomes a a, a vital member, you know, of an NBA team. We're gonna we're gonna see and. Trevor made this this decision. It was his lifelong dream to be an NBA player, but that second round pick means there is no guarantee. And so, I believe he's got a lot of work ahead of him. I do I do believe it helps that RJ and he have a connection because RJ, I think, is the leader of that team. Definitely yeah. is the leader of the future of that team. And 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 I have a lot of respect for RJ Barrett. And so that's going to help him. Uh, I would I would hope he would learn from RJ and RJ would maybe take him under his wing a little bit. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we know this Trevor's body is ready for the NBA as far as strength. His athleticism is probably not quite there. Um, and his shot, like, it, it, in high school, evidently he was a knockdown shooter. Um, and it just didn't happen last year. So, is he a 31% three-point shooter or is he a 41% three-point shooter? If he's a 41% three-point shooter, I think we see him on the Knicks roster and, and he yeah. might – help him if he continues to be a 31 percent three-point shooter it's gonna be him and dj stewart battling it out for the g league all-star team in my opinion yeah and with the team like new york you got to mention their head coach as well tom thibodeau loves to yep. play like six or seven guys it feel like yep. and and wants to run them into the ground truly so you've got to <laughs> be in great playing shape and so keels will obviously need to work in and take care of his body from day one uh, but when you're at a school like Duke, you've got many different guys to sort of look at and kind of see various careers, how they go. If you are a second-round pick, you mentioned Frank Jackson and Trayvon Duvall yeah. or undrafted guys who have to work really hard through the G League before making it stick somewhere. You mentioned Quinn Cook. You could mention Seth Curry going undrafted mm -hmm. and having to wait uh, a couple of years and really dominate the G League before getting his call up. But then also just a season ago, you saw Matthew Hurt and DJ Stewart both leave early. Neither guy got drafted. They both had to sign undrafted deals and start their careers in the G League. At least for Trevor Keels, he gambled on himself. He was drafted. He did hear his name called at an NBA draft, and he's going to get to start his NBA career there with the New York Knicks. Josh, five players selected for Duke, the most that Duke has ever had at an NBA draft, four in the first round, one in the second round. All in all, just pretty awesome, and it officially puts a bow on Coach K's career in terms of players going to the NBA, and I want people to recognize that over the weekend, John Shire felt the need in his heart to just put out a word once again at the draft success of Mike Krzyzewski and truly tip his cap to the man that was before him. Yeah, man, uh, really, really classy uh, move, and also I love the video. Um, to Paulo yeah. um, when he got drafted. I thought that was a really nice touch, and I thought that was really cool. Of course, you know, Duke haters are like, of course, Coach K is on <laughs> TV again, you know, but uh, can't get rid of the guy. Um, 
but yeah, absolutely, man. What what an incredible career. And um, and at the end of the day, uh, national championships are the ultimate goal at Duke. We know that, but we also know that Coach K is a developer of men. He's a leader of men, and for some of these men, their their futures are going to be in the NBA as these five guys were drafted. For some of these other men, their futures are going to be in the business world. Their futures are going to be in different uh, walks of life. And I think Coach K, at the end of the day, would say that that's that's his job. His job is to prepare these men for the next step. And whether the next step is getting their name called by Adam Silver, Duke alum, uh, for the NBA draft, or whether it is you know to get on at a real estate firm and and, yeah. and start hitting the ground running, uh, whatever it may be, um, just an in- incredible career for Mike Krzyzewski, for sure. Josh, your time is always greatly appreciated. I want to encourage people to go check out the Section 17 podcast. You guys got a lot going on there with Duke Football Talk, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you here again on the podcast very soon. Thanks again for taking time to join us. Absolutely, JJ. Have a great day, man. That's my buddy Josh Cox. He's joining us here today on Lockdown Blue Devils. Make sure you follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like us on YouTube, share this video with your friends, and so much more. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.